Hi, and welcome to the Vancouver Life Podcast. This podcast is created to answer the most talked about questions when it comes to navigating the Vancouver real estate market. I'm your host, Dan Wartell, a licensed agent and accredited real estate investment advisor based here in Vancouver, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ryan Dash. Hi, Dan. I'm also a local realtor, an exhausted father of two, husband of one, and really happy to be here. Let's get right into today's episode. Details of the Plex plan are starting to come to light. And if it's actually approved, it will dramatically change the potential housing landscape for all of Vancouver. And we're going to dedicate this episode to kind of doing a bit of a deep dive of these new announcements and kind of where the ink is starting to dry here and kind of discuss like who could win from this plan, but ultimately also who could lose if this goes forward. And if you are considering purchasing or selling a property based on this potential outcome of the Plex plan, we'd love to talk to you about it because again, we're still in the specul- speculative excuse me, state here and uh, you want to definitely be careful and you definitely want to understand all the details and potential outcomes on either side. So let's dive right into it here. Right off the top, the city of Vancouver here released an update to what they're calling the multiplex proposal just earlier this week or last week rather on May 18th. Now, the whole purpose of this, the whole idea here is it's a proposal to increase what they call the missing middle housing type. And that is ultimately everything between condos and detached homes. So it would include uh, duplexes, triplexes, multiplexes, townhomes, row homes, and low-rise apartment buildings up to six stories. That's considered the middle, right? Condo is the low, I guess detached is the high in a sense. And then you've got in the middle here, all those housing types. So that's what they're trying to achieve is find a way for the city of Vancouver and essentially the private sector to be able to build these types of homes to help with our current housing supply crisis. Yeah, I tend to uh, think that there is a, a middle missing, a missing middle uh, housing type in Vancouver. Uh, so many clients of ours have, have said it. You know, you, uh, you go from your condo and then you try and get into a townhome. And then from there, you have to make a pretty big leap either to a half duplex or you have to, you know, go to a house or you have to leave the city, you know, uh, and they're all difficult sort of decisions. So I think adding, uh, you know, uh, another middle layer here, much like if you were to go to England or something like that, you get row homes or even in Toronto for that matter, you get row homes. So it would be nice to kind of see this improve. And I, I would love to see this take place. Um, there was also a public meeting on uh, in February. And uh, I kind of want to go over that because I think it kind of gives you some perspective in terms of where this policy might head. <clears throat> so there was 455 attendees, which is no joke. Um, and 1900 people completed the online survey. Uh, so bear with me here. 77% agree that multiplexes should be allowed in current low density areas. I think that's pretty overwhelming. 60% agreed to reduce the size of new houses and 80% agreed to increase the size of laneway homes. Uh, with 74% agreeing to remove the guidelines, regulations, and reducing the number of RS zones. And that would come, uh, in my opinion, uh, that's greatly needed. There's way too many variations at this point for RS zones. But, um, you know, I think when you look at the overall public meeting, uh, it, it really seems positive in terms of moving forward with uh, 
different multifamily options here for people in that middle housing sector? Yeah, let's look at prices real quick here, because again, when we're talking about making that leap from, let's say, a condo to to the next step up, which has kind of largely been detached, your average condo here in GVRD is about seven hundred and fifty thousand, and then you jump up to detached, and it's one point nine million. So it's people that are looking to get into that middle sort of section. Maybe you're a growing family. You know, you've gone from maybe a single person to now you're married. Maybe you've got one or two children, but 1.9 million is out of reach. Well, the average townhouse, which is essentially the missing middle here, comes in at just under 1.1. So going from 750 to 1.1 on average is a much more achievable leap than going from 750 up to Mm. 1.9. So that's kind of the purpose, part of the purpose of what it is, is to actually make something that is viable for people that are looking to make that type of change. Anyway, so more specifics, and this is where it gets really important to um, to understand what is going to potentially be allowed to be built if this Plex plan goes forward. If you have a single family lot that has 33 feet of frontage, which is your typical Vancouver lot, uh, you can build four units on that, is what they're proposing, in and around 4,000 square feet. For larger lots, up to... Uh, sorry, yeah, 44 feet of frontage, sort of the next common size up, they're allowing five units in and around 5,000 square feet of buildable. And then those with the large lots, meaning 50 feet of frontage or more, they will allow six strata units, or get this, if you're going to help the rental community, you can build eight rental units on that same lot. Um, There is a minimum of four units that must be built on a lot of that size. And we're talking up to in and around 6,000 square feet of space. So again, they're trying to incentivize, in a sense, uh, builders to build rental units. Because if you can build six or you can build eight, typically you're going to make more money building eight on the sale. So again, this is what we've been needing to see for some time. Incentivize people to build housing. And this is a pretty dramatic step in that direction. Yeah, I, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I, I would also like to know, and maybe this will happen in further readings, you know, if they're going to do six strata, for example, on a 50 foot frontage, uh, and you're looking at or eight rentals, I wonder if, you know, you can do a variable mix, you know, sell four strata units and have four rentals It'd be an interesting um interesting mix. I don't know how that would be received, but uh, I know as a builder, uh, they would they would love that option. Uh, with that being said, so uh, looking at uh, where these homes can actually be built, effectively, it's going to be any RS zoned lot, right? So um, it also has to have uh, a lane um, or the, a double fronting. So a frontage of 33 feet or more. So you can't do this unless you've got a 33 foot frontage. Uh, they cannot be within a floodplain. Uh, and this is really most of East Van, uh, some of, some of West, the West side of Vancouver around King Ed and kind of South, uh, from there. So we're seeing some pockets that are being targeted here. Uh, and we'll see how it goes again. You know, I don't know how quickly we'll see a sixplex or an eightplex in a Shaughnessy lot, but, uh, that being said, uh, you know, the east side is where a lot of people want to be or a lot of younger families are emerging. So I can see why they want to target this neighborhood first. 
And then when it comes to time frame, when can we actually expect this to go forth? Well, the next big step uh, is the one sort of that just happened, being what they called the review and respond. So they've had the initial public feedback by holding uh, an open format meeting here. Next comes summer of 2023, so just a couple months here, uh, where we can expect to see what they call the council report. So they're going to go back to their offices, take all this feedback, maybe adjust some things. Then Next big uh, milestone here is in fall of this year, fall of 2023, where there is going to be another public hearing and ultimately the council decision comes in that time frame as well. Unknown or to, to be determined is actually when new permits will be accepted. Right now, the time frame, I believe they're kind of envisioning January of 2024, obviously moving target here, but uh, that's the current time frame. We've got at least two more hard-ish dates as far as seasonality goes, and then we can expect something much more finite by the end of this year, possibly early 2024. Yeah, I think it's a you know reasonable time frame uh, to get the public's input on that as well. So, um, but jumping into, uh, again, a few more specifics here and, and maybe some of the reasons why this needs to happen. The whole part of this process is to simplify the RS zoning. So I know this could be a bit of a dry subject, but, uh, he, one of the biggest problems when it comes to redevelopment is there's currently nine separate RS zones, which adds an incredible amount of complexity to any kind of change taking place. Uh, and, and I understand maybe historically why that was the case, but moving forward to deal with the density and the housing crisis that we have, these levels of complexity need to go away. Uh, and that's really sort of the idea behind this. Um, the rules for duplexes and laneways are generally the same. Um, however, the rules for houses are not. And some neighborhoods even have their own controls, uh, their own design guidelines as well. So reducing some of that complexity, making it easier for city planners uh, and people who are processing permits to move quicker by having a simpler set of guidelines, I think makes a lot of sense. But I'll also touch on something a little bit later in the episode where we're seeing the introduction of AI that's also going to solve this problem for other neighborhoods uh, in BC. So that's essentially the problem right now. It's just convoluted. It's tough. And if you've ever looked at zoning rules and laws right now, uh, if you're trying to figure out what you can actually build, it's not very straightforward. And you're referencing all sorts of different pages. And these are often 150, 200 pages long. And you have to learn all about setbacks and other restrictions and whatnot. So again, they're just trying to simplify it. And again, maybe get more of a blanket uh, zoning throughout, which would again, simplify things. So they want standardized requirements. They want to eliminate all this complexity and they want to combine all of the nine different RS1 zonings here and turn it into just one, which again, would mm. uh, I, I'm all for it. I, off the top anyway, it seems to be the right direction. And they're essentially going to be doing this by, uh, they're going to provide like consistent building placement, meaning the height and size regulation for houses is going to be all the same more or less, right? And so that'll be nice to be able to know what is essentially buildable on any lot that you're looking at if you're, a, if you're a buyer or an owner looking to do something different with your land. They're going to apply simpler height and yard, aka the setback rules for the houses and duplexes and so forth, and allow the same uses across all these zones because some are allowed laneways and others aren't and this, that, the other. What's interesting here too, though, is they're looking to reduce 
the size of new homes. And this is all done by, of course, um, the size of your lot. There's a percentage called the floor space ratio where they say, okay, well, if you've got, you know, one acre, you can build up to 70% of that size. Well, they're going to reduce that down to 0.6 or 60% FSR floor space ratio. Interesting choice, but they're going to increase the size of new laneway houses, which is currently granted a, a 0.16 FSR. They want to increase that to a 0.25 FSR. So the actual houses will shrink a bit when we're talking about new builds, making room for a larger laneway, meaning you can accommodate more people on that same piece of land. So that's why they were looking to reduce um, the size of the main house, essentially. So it's actually quite a bit bigger, too. I mean, going from 0.16 to 0.25, it's nearly twice the size. So it's a, uh, it's, yeah, it's significant. And if you, uh, if you pull up the plans, well, we'll, we'll leave a link here so, so you can actually look at the plans and whatnot of this, uh, these regulations and guides that they've submitted. You get a good idea of the vision of it. Now, again, we talked about who can benefit from this and, and who might get hurt. Um, we definitely want to say this thing is still not set in stone, as they say, not that anything really is with the city moving forward, but some of the key insiders here ha have let us know that <clears throat> essentially, they're still looking at this as a pilot project. So even when it's quote unquote approved, it is currently believed that they're only going to let the first 100 applicants on a first come first serve basis get the chance to basically have their rezoned property and do something with it. That's a hundred. Okay. That's not very many. And of course, after that hundred, if this actually does happen in this format, and they may alter what happens after that point. So we're already seeing a bit of speculation, especially in our neighborhood in sort of Mount Pleasant in East Vancouver here, where single family lots uh, for teardowns especially are just, they're incredibly sought after right now because a lot of builders think that if they just hold this for another six months on the other side of that, they'll be able to build a fourplex or fiveplex or whatever that lot size is that they're buying. And it's definitely not guaranteed. And it's going to be very hard to be that first hundred people in line. Let's be honest here. There's going to be a lineup out the door that day, like it's a rock and roll concert. But hey, um, so let's be careful there, right? So don't just go out and think, hey, just because you own land that you're guaranteed to be able to build something bigger when and if this thing goes through. And then I think on the other side, if you were thinking of selling, maybe it makes a lot more sense to hold that property now, wait for this plex plan to go through, because if it does, your lot, your detached single family home lot may very well be worth more. Again, there's too much unknown at this time. But again, if you're considering either side of this, um, maybe give us a call. We'd happily talk it through with you, and especially for your specific scenario and the property that you're working with. Dan, yeah, do you on think top it's of that, enough? yeah, go ahead. Sorry, <laughs> I was just going to say, a hundred. It feels like a, 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 I don't know, a drop in the bucket for what what we need here, uh, and I'm just trying to. I mean, I'm purely speculating as to why that might be the case, but, uh, you know, what do you think of only doing a hundred units? Again, that's why they're kind of calling it a, a pilot project. I don't know if that's a big enough, like testing size to really give the feedback, but they seem to think so. And I guess it's a little bit maybe safer than going, okay, cool. It's a free for all. All of Vancouver's <laughs> rezoned have at her. You know, we, we know what would happen at city hall alone, as far as the backlog there, which is already horrific. That would mm. uh, grind to a halt. And let's keep in mind too, if you're going to take um, a single family home, let's say four people live in that home right now, and then it can be rezoned into a fourplex, which maybe up to what, 12 people are now going to live in that same exact footprint. Well, let's talk about 
parking and cars and traffic and the infrastructure. Not everything is going to be set up for it in every area as well. So there's a whole bunch of potential issues on the other side of this if we densify almost too quickly, even though this is mm. what we want. You know, there's there has to be some form of ramifications as well. So I think they they're playing it cautious, you know, which I think is pretty typical of, of uh, City Hall here, because they don't want to make a big mistake. They don't know if this is the right path yet. So I, I don't know, hundred too big, too small. I, I I'm not a city planner here. I can't really speak to that other than I think hopefully it gives us enough. Uh, of a result to know if it's going to work or not. And again, hopefully mm. it doesn't mean, okay, here's a hundred. Well, you know, you still have to wait two years for your building permit and we don't hear anything until 2026 about this. Right. I, I also think, you know, I know as well as you do that a lot of, especially in East Vancouver, a lot of East Vancouver infrastructure is old, very old. Uh, the water, water pipes still cast iron in many ways and in many places. Uh, and, and, you know, there's only so much, uh, you know, density that so much more density, I guess, that these things can handle. Also, you know, what is this going to do to trades? You know, I mean, this would, uh, this would create quite a boom if they, I, I suppose, if they just let, you know, everybody have at her, as you said. So uh, that, and I also don't think that they have the city infrastructure to handle much more in terms of the permitting process and the applications that are already in place, plus another hundred here. It's probably going to take uh, quite a bit of time for that to, to process. So I think they're starting to look at solutions, but I think the actual uh, feasibility of it is probably still some years away. Uh, not to mention future development costs and what that might entail as well, because we haven't really seen much about that either. Also, too, uh, like the- it's it's almost like what happens when they let's say we want to do a new bridge, right? Okay, bridges are typically mm-hmm. a bottleneck here in GVRD, and yet they'll go and they'll design this new bridge and spend half a billion dollars, or whatever, and they add one lane. And, and of course that one lane is great for four or five years. And all of a sudden like, Oh no, we got to think about a new bridge again is thinking about, you know, four five, six units. Is that just thinking too small? Should this Plex plan be for like 15, 20 units kind of thing? I mean, obviously the again, feasibility isn't really there for it, but you get the idea, you know, they're trying to help. They're trying to bring more, but yet again, with the uh, one to 2 million new people, Two million people, excuse me, coming into the country this year. This is like it's playing catch up all the time, in a sense, you know. And yes, it's in the right direction, and yes, it's a good idea. But is it thinking too small? Do they need to be thinking bigger and being able to find even quicker and larger ways to build housing here in, in an area that needs it desperately? And maybe at what point are they going to realize that uh, <laughs> adding bike lanes to bridges is only going to congest traffic more? <laughs> That's a whole nother conversation though. Uh, With that being said, uh, I wanted to touch on uh, what Kelowna is doing here. So Kelowna actually applied to a provincial grant, uh, the city of Kelowna that is, for $350,000 to work with Microsoft to develop an AI chatbot that'll expedite their permit process. And I actually think this is quite brilliant, assuming that uh, your development process is straightforward enough for this to to work. So I'll go through some of the points here because I think it it creates a very interesting solution that maybe a year ago or even two years ago just wasn't even on the radar. So what they're talking about here is an AI chatbot that could receive applications for construction and renovations and analyze them for compliance and also issue the permit for it. The bot will understand zoning bylaws, official community plans, 
lot particulars such as dimensions, setbacks. Uh, it'll even be able to assess building applications and issue permits um, for compliant projects and even provide feedback and work with the applicant to address the areas of non-compliance. Uh, this is fascinating. It's basically like having a human being that knows everything the way it's supposed to go and educates you along the purpose or along the, the process immediately in real time. Right. So for simple applications, uh, the vision for this whole project is that a fully compliant application could have an instantaneous approval, which we're talking about saving, I don't know, 18 months, <laughs> which could dramatically shift the entire landscape if this actually takes place. And I even did a bit more research. There's even discussions going on right now about uh, printing, 3D printing homes going forward, which I don't know how that's going to happen, but nevertheless, very interesting uh, discussion taking place in terms of what technology is going to provide for solutions in the future. Uh, and this, we don't have to wait super long for this. This is already in development, and the city of Kelowna has said that they're going to launch this in the fall. Uh, and sort of some of the runoff benefits here, AI bots will save the staff 30 to 40% of their time going through the repetitive processes with people who maybe don't know or this is their first time, right? And that'll allow the city to redeploy these people in more valuable areas. And lastly, uh, you know, this is why I think we need AI, because, you know, our, our own mayor, Ken Sim, who made a pledge during his campaign uh, that the permitting time would come down to three weeks, that was a year ago. And, you know, we still haven't seen much change here. And in fact, I don't think they can change that without something drastic like uh, an immediate approval that AI could generate. So very interesting in terms of how this is progressing. Um Dan, I'll, I'll let you kind of talk in one sec. I just want to end with this one question because it's been bugging me throughout the whole, uh, the whole podcast here. I guess what I, what I'm asking here is, you know, I don't necessarily, obviously we have a housing crisis. I guess what, what I'm wondering when we look at the permitting process and we look at how long it takes for these things to change is housing in BC, the actual problem, or is it a symptom of a much bigger problem? And you don't have to answer that, but it's a it's a question that I've been asking myself since I started uh, doing some research into this. So, anyhow, really interesting stuff, though. Very much so, and, and well, very strong question, of course, and very open to hearing uh, our viewers and listeners what they think. I'd love to hear some comments. Um, mm -hmm. And then also, too, I just want to backtrack a little bit on what you're talking about with the AI and, and talking about what essentially could be built on on, on lots and helping people through that. I mean. Right now, Ryan, if you had a client reach out to you and say, hey, I'm curious about this lot. It looks interesting. What can I build on that? How long does it take to get that exact answer? It takes days, honestly. <laughs> if yeah, I, it, it, and that's assuming I sideline everything too, right? Sure. Because I have to go through a 200-page document, like you said. I have to figure out maybe the one of the nine RS zones that I have to deal with, right? And then I have to make sure I'm dealing with the right one. So I have to then make sure I'm right. <laughs> Whereas, you know, AI, the, you could program this. So it could just be a sounding board, right? Which is incredible. And again, I don't think the, the, the process or, or sorry, the idea is to replace the city staff. This is AI helping uh, expedite the whole process so that, you know, human beings can go and do higher value work. And I think that's 
makes a lot of sense to me. I would use it today if it existed. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people would, you know, it, it's, it would be a huge information provider and really help people make even further educated decisions on what they were purchasing. If they were looking to buy something or of course build something on their existing lot, because uh, I think it, while you may have even answered all the questions, okay, this is what the zoning says you can build. You still need to go to the city and get that approval. And there could be all sorts of variances and whatnot that still have to come into play. So yes, if you could have the, AI essentially spit out what you want to build and agree on it and have it basically say it's approval. Sure. Then you go get the city hall's um, second set of human eyes on it and get that level of approval. Either way, the timing would just be cut down to, to gosh, totally. a hundredth of what it takes now. The other, the other thing that AI may provide, which is kind of interesting too, and I'm not, I'm not going to get on here and suggest that, you know, our government's corrupt or anything like that, but any kind of abuse of power, for someone who sits in a position of authority, for example, that can kind of be removed because, you know, if you meet compliance and, you, you know, your permitting process gets instantaneously uh, approved, then, you know, you're not dealing with a second, you know, plan checker or a third one when you've got, you know, the first one who looked at it and all this convoluted process. And either either it's in a, you know, an abuse of a position or or neglect or, or just, you know, someone who's new and doesn't understand, all of that can kind of go away. And that creates an enormous amount of efficiency and, and protection for, uh, I think, homeowners, which I think is is a great idea. So I'd love to see this thing take place. Uh, I think there's a lot of solutions that it could bring. And uh, it's something that we should be embracing, not being terrified of. I completely agree. So here we are. The Vancouver housing landscape may be very different in as little as uh, six, seven months here. So we're going to keep on top of this Plex plan, keep you well informed as it progresses. And please, as always, thanks uh, for, for watching, for listening, and reach out to us if you have any questions. We'll see you next week. Bye. Ciao. That wraps up this edition of the Vancouver Life Podcast. For more information on this podcast and to access a ton of free downloads, investment opportunities, current market info, and homes for sale, you can find it all at www.thevancouverlife.com. Thanks, and we look forward to bringing you more podcasts about Vancouver real estate.